It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? Sean here with another episode of Locked on Raptors here on a Thursday. Tonight, the Toronto Raptors take on the Milwaukee Bucks. We will talk about that matchup, and maybe the Raptors are getting some help. Gary Trent Jr. practiced yesterday. Will he return, and what will it mean if he does? Plus, a few mailbag questions came in. We're going to talk about the fit between Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam. Could Gary Trent Jr. be an all-star one day? And a whole bunch more coming up on today's episode of Locked on Raptors. Thanks for being here. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free top of the Hail Mary 3 by Mopey. Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number God, uh, 1070 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, December the 2nd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean, as you can see on the page, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, that is. And, of course, you can find uh, the podcast at Locked On Raptors, and you can find the podcast free and available on all of your favorite platforms. You can follow, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. Plus, you can subscribe on YouTube to see my lovely, I don't know, lovely, I guess it's in the eye of the beholder face on YouTube every single day. And thank you, as always, for making us your first listen every single day as well. All right, on today's show, we are talking about the Raptors game against the Bucks tonight. Plus, got a couple mailbag questions to get to. First, however, should tell you about our friends over at Shopify who are bringing you today's episode. Shopify is the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibilities. So start now at shopify.com slash LockedOnNBA, all lowercase on that URL. All right, on today's show, as I said, we're talking about Raptors Bucks tonight. We'll get to a couple mailbag questions about Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam's fit, Gary Trent Jr. and his potential all-star ceiling uh, and a whole bunch more. We'll get to those as we go through the show. But Raptors Bucks tonight, this is going to be a difficult one. The Bucks started the season pretty rough, but they are getting some health back. Still are going to be without Dante DiVincenzo, Brook Lopez, Semi Ojale tonight, but they very much have Chris Middleton back, who was their big absence for a long stretch of the season. And they, of course, have Giannis, who is a problem, as it turns out. And it will be even more of a problem because OG Ananobi will not play tonight. He's already been ruled out along with Kem Birch in this game. And you would think, in theory, when you think back to ways the Raptors have defended the Bucks in the past... They've either used OG as that long, sort of strong wing who can maybe sort of keep Giannis from getting to his sp spots without, you know, complete ease. And then they've used bigs as well. That sort of, you know, back line. You think about how they used Marc Gasol, for example, or Serge Ibaka to guard Giannis in the postseason. Ken Birch, to me, profiles as a pretty decent option to throw on to Giannis. He can be the sort of guy who tags him on the roll. He can maybe switch on to him, potentially. It's not, like, the greatest of all solutions. No one is a great solution to Giannis, but those two guys, I think, 
would have been penciled in as the two guys to throw at Giannis in various looks, and they're not going to be available. So it's going to be a bit of a hodgepodge, you would think. You know, Precious Achua has been very good defensively so far this season, that last game against the Grizzlies notwithstanding. I wonder if maybe he gets some looks that seems like maybe a recipe for disaster because Precious is so young and bouncy and just doesn't have that experience guarding good players like Giannis. But I think that might be a bit of a nice test case to see how far his defensive capability abilities can reach. We know Pascal Siakam has guarded Giannis in the past, but I am particularly worried about the idea of sticking Siakam on Giannis in this game. And it's because of what we saw on Wednesday night against the Grizzlies, where Pascal got into foul trouble early on. And this was because he was up against Jaron Jackson Jr. as his main defensive uh, assignment for, for a lot of the game. And Jaron Jackson Jr. is big and hard to handle. Guess who's big and hard to handle? Bigger and harder to handle. It is Giannis Antetokounmpo, of course. And I just think you're asking for foul trouble for Pascal if you're going to throw him on, on Giannis. And that's not even necessarily a critique of Pascal and his ability to not foul it's Giannis. He's going to draw fouls. He's gone to the line so far uh, 10 times a game this season. Like he's getting there with a plum. And it's just, I don't think you can risk losing Siakam, even if benching him with four fouls is like, you know, artificially limiting his minutes because you're sort of worrying about a foul that is yet to come. And Pascal did do a pretty good job in the fourth quarter of the last game, not picking up that last foul. You know, I think you can certainly ride and trust Siakam in a way, but, you know, I don't think you want to be even having that dilemma, and I and I do wonder if they kind of try to steer clear from having Pascal guard Giannis. He's also been so damn good as a help defender that I don't know if the best utility for Siakam in this game is to have him on the ball. I think, you know, having him sort of, you know, maybe you stick him on one of the guys in the corners, you stick him on a Bobby Porter or something like that, and then he can kind of be there as extra help in the lane when Giannis gets in there. That feels to me like the better usage of Siakam defensively in this game. We saw him have a wonderful defensive game last time out against Memphis. He's been really good the last few games. He's been kind of the most important cog in the Raptors' defensive turnaround here, and they have turned things around. They have been a little less, uh, you know, disgraceful on the end of the floor recently. They had the nice game against the uh, the, the Grizzlies, of course, uh, the second half against the Grizzlies last week. They had the nice game against the Celtics, even though they ended up losing it. And so far in the last, uh, let's just see the last four games. Ah, they're still 21st in defense over the last four games. You have the first half of that Memphis game kind of clouding things. But uh, if you go to like the last three games, are things improving? Are they? Uh, yeah, slightly. They are uh, 16th in defense over the last three games. So, you know, we've seen a slight turnaround here. It's been kind of an interesting both sides of the ball crashing back to earth in some way. The uh, the defense coming up from the depths of hell back up something towards the upper crust of the earth, whereas the offense was number seven uh, not so long ago and has fallen all the way down into the depths of the middle of the league at 13th. So, yeah, we're seeing, like I think, a bit of course correction to what we expected the typical profile for this team to be what we thought it would be before the season and uh it's happening we'll see if they can continue it on tonight against the bucks again i'm not really uh terribly hopeful for a win in this one the bucks have been playing super well of late and they have really kind of gotten their form together Giannis is playing at his mvp level once again 28 12 and 6 uh just ridiculous so I'm hoping for some positive signs. We'll see what Scotty Barnes' role in all of this is tonight. I don't know how much he'll get the assignment of guarding Giannis. You know, that feels like a recipe for disaster as well. And it might be a lot of precious and 
God, uh, Utah, like Utah Watanabe might really kind of be thrust back into action here. There's not a lot of ton of great options here. So we, we shall see. I would imagine there's going to be a lot of help flying out towards Giannis and they're going to be daring guys like Drew Holiday to knock down shots. Grayson Allen's been shooting the lights out this season at 43%. Uh, Bobby Portis is shooting 43%. So there's a lot of guys out there who can really make you pay if you are going to load up and send multiple bodies Giannis's way. And if you think back to the way the Raptors have guarded the Bucks in the past, like it's never really been that effective a situation when they have sent two to Giannis. Like it, that's been a lot of their base defense against stars. He's been one of the guys who's been kind of, you know, rat, Nick Nurse proof, I suppose, when it comes to the very aggressive style. Like it hasn't been like Luka Doncic or Damian Lillard where they've been able to elicit poor games out of those guys by sending extra attention. Giannis is just too much. And the shooting on the Bucks is way too terrifying. And his ability to find said shooters is too terrifying to really lean on that. So... Those are some of the things I'm looking for tonight as the Raptors take on the Bucks. Again, not terribly hopeful, but we will break the game down on tomorrow's podcast. We will get into next a couple of mailbag questions from you, the listeners, to round out the show. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Shopify, baby! Cha-ching, cha-ching, do you hear that sound? That is the sound that makes you smile. It's the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. In case you don't know, Shopify is a complete commerce platform that lets you start, grow, manage, and make your business. And it gives you all the resources that entrepreneurs need that big businesses have and upstarts startups established businesses alike can sell everywhere synchronize online and in-person sales and effortlessly effortlessly stay informed scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility and shopify helps you make your entrepreneurial dreams come true entrepreneurial the hardest word to say in the english language i am convinced of it thank you for shopify for helping me practice my diction i love how shopify has the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed down from the street to around from down the street to around the globe Shopify powers over 1.7 million businesses from first sale to full scale, reaching customers online and across networks uh, with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. Shopify is more than a store. Connect with your customers, drive sales, manage day-to-day. It is just a wonderful place. And you can go to shopify.com slash lock.mba, all lowercase right now, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify. Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash locked on NBA right now. Shopify.com slash locked on NBA. Again, all lowercase on that URL. And today's show is also brought to you by Truebill, which I've talked about Truebill before on the show. They are a company that very much appeals to my sensibilities as a person who often signs up for subscriptions and then forgets to cancel them after I no longer need said subscription. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't want, need, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. That is a lot of scratch, baby, because companies make subscriptions so hard to cancel. Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap and your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. That's just a wonderful, wonderful feature. I have signed up for so many things for one use that I have not used ever again because that's just how I go. I, I you know I need this specific PDF signing app. I'm going to sign up for this for the month and then I will forget about it and then I will be paying for said PDF signing app for months. 
No longer, because Truebill is here to cancel those subscriptions. They have over 2 million users, just like me, and have helped save over $100 million. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now to Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's T-R-U-E-B-I-L-L. All right. Let's carry on, shall we, with some of your mailbag questions that came in from the lovely listeners this morning in a short notice call for questions to help flush out the show. Uh, Let's bring this one in from Spiffy Kiss, uh, who is a listener all the way from France, which is lovely to see. Uh, He asks, having seen a quarter of the season now, is Siakam plus Scotty Barnes compatible, and can you project their chemistry to be optimal down the line? I have long been a fan of the idea of pairing Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam, and I'm even more stoked on the idea, having seen what we've seen in the, what, 10 games or so that they've played together. Look, it's been stop and start, it's been difficult, and this whole team remains sort of a mystery. We don't really know how it is all going to come together. You know, you can't really see what Vision 6'9 is supposed to look like when half the 6'9 guys have not been available to the team for the entirety of the season. So we're still kind of waiting to actually see the Raptors' vision in motion here. But I think the flourishes you've seen where OG and Scotty have looked pretty good together, and then Pascal and Scotty have started to find things, uh, you know, in the last little while here, I'm really confident in how this trio can work going forward. I, I do think it's more a trio than it is Siakam and Barnes, even though Siakam is sort of the lightning rod piece here. I think it's a wonderful connection. I think Siakam's playmaking and his ability to sort of be dynamic and find guys after teams have sold out to stop him, it's gotten so good. He's had a lot of practice at it because he sees three bodies all the time with all the injuries he's played with over the last year and a half here. And I think Scotty's ability to seep into those spaces where he can, you know, receive those passes, flash to the nail, be in the dunker spot, and now apparently shoot threes <laughs> and catch and shoots, that is all really encouraging stuff. And the inverse is that I think Scotty's vision is so good that it's just going to work well with what Pascal does well off the ball. Pascal's a good cutter too. Pascal has sort of, you know, brought back the three-point shooting a little bit this season, though the last couple of games have been a little bit rougher for him there. Hopefully he can kind of bounce back. But it's just been, I think, watching these two, you're seeing, okay, they can both play make, they can both handle, they can both, in theory, down the line, once Scotty Barnes has kind of learned the ropes of NBA defense, defend together. And I just think it is a wonderful connection. And then you get to the point of thinking what it is two, three, four years down the line. And I think with this... You know, there's a lot of projection base built in it. There's a lot of like, okay, Scotty Barnes, what's his ceiling? What can he do as a number one on the ball guy? And I am growing more and more excited about the possibility of Barnes kind of becoming one day the number one that Pascal Siakam just clearly is not. And again, it's not a slight against Pascal Siakam to say he's not a number one option. There are like, I don't know, 15 actual real number one options in the NBA. To not be one of them is okay. It's not some sort of slight against you. It's not some sort of, you know, a declaration that his contract is too much money because it ain't. And I will continue to live by that. He's uh, very much a max player, just not the max player who leads you to a championship on his own. And again, that's fine. It's rare to find that. But Scotty Barnes, you know, with the way he's handled the ball, with the way the offense just seems to kind of work when he is with the ball in his hands and he's kind of, you know, doing his thing where he's probing, he's getting into the paint, he's looking for his own offense and then finding guys off of that if there's nothing there. And the fact that he's shooting threes now too, look, it's way too early to pencil in anything when it comes to his three-point upside down the line. He's shooting 35% on less than two attempts a game. It's not all that crazy, 
But the fact that he's willing to put them up, the fact that his stroke from the free throw line has been totally fine. I think he's at like 75%, 73% from the line. That's, I think, a pretty good sign that good things are coming with the stroke and the mechanics. Uh, the mid-range shot obviously has been there. Like, it all looks like it's there for Scotty Barnes. And, you know, we've seen such an expansion of his offensive game compared to what he was in college. It's a little bit shocking and jarring, but... You have to go on what you've seen, and it's been 20 games of Scotty Barnes projecting potentially down the line to be that number one option that Scott, Pascal Siakam, I think, would flourish next to. We've seen it before, and I've made this point as well in the past. Pascal Siakam, the beauty of having him on your team, and the reason I'd be reticent to trade him in any sort of star trade, is that he is a ready-made, perfect fit next to any star. He can fit wonderfully next to like a high usage big if you were to go and find yourself a Carl Anthony Towns or something, but the Wolves are cool, so maybe they're not in the business of trading Carl Anthony Towns right now. But if you were to find someone like that who you kind of run your offense through, he would fit perfectly next to that player. He would fit perfectly next to a high usage on the ball point guard. You know, think about a Damian Lillard type or whatever, you know, a guy who is, you know, got that pull up threat. You know, Pascal can work as a spacer or a cutter around that, or he can work as a screener, as we've seen him do with Kyle Lowry in the past and be an absolutely devastating player in that context. And then he can fit with a wing. We've seen him win a title next to Kawhi Leonard. We've seen him pair with OG Ananobi quite well. He can fit with anybody. And I think that applies to Scotty Barnes as well, even though we're still not really sure what Scotty Barnes is. Is he a point guard down the line? Is he like a hybrid 4-5 type weirdo player? I don't know. But Siakam's skill set, even with his sort of middling shooting really fits nicely, I think, with any potential form that Scotty Barnes could take. And again, I don't want to put too much pressure or burden on Scotty Barnes of becoming a number one option one day, because as we've talked about, it's hard to find those guys. It's very difficult. But if you're projecting two, three, four years down the line with where Scotty Barnes's floor seems to be this season, and really outside of like a couple weeks, he has been bloody impressive all year long, even with the sort of in-game oscillations that Nick Nurse talked about after the last game against Memphis. I think there's reason to be hopeful and excited about Scotty Barnes one day becoming that sort of central force who is the clear guy who puts everybody else in the hierarchy into the right place. You know, you knock Siakam down to the two, you knock OG down to be the number three option, you have Fred as a really solid ball handler, you know, maybe all this takes too long and you're looking at a different core around Scotty Barnes by the time he gets to this point, that's totally reasonable, he might not be his fully formed self until year five, year six, or something like that, and then maybe you're looking at different pieces around him, but if you you think that in the next couple of years, Scotty can kind of morph into something better than, you know, the sort of role player type that I think we expected he would be coming into the season, then yeah, he absolutely fits with Siakam. And I still believe in the power of the defense that they are trying to build. They need to get Scotty Barnes up to speed. And I wonder if the fact that they're sticking with this defense and riding it so hard is exactly because they know they need to get Scotty taught up on it and get him into the position where he's ready to play it and, you know, hit the ground running. Because I do think OG, Fred, Siakam, even Gary Trent Jr. are all kind of ready to play it. And it's just kind of finding that last piece to tie it all together. I think Scotty Barnes can very much be that. I think Ken Birch can kind of be that too. You know, we're missing a lot of dudes here who fit into what the Raptors want to do defensively. And I think that is kind of part and parcel with the struggles. But yeah, I think... The fit Siakam Barnes wise, it's hard to not have a fit when you put two six foot nine dudes together who can dribble and pass 
and maybe shoot. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see on the shooting, but even then, I, if you scatter shooters around them, it's why I'm such a believer in the small ball lineup for the Raptors once they're fully healthy. Having OG and Trent out there with Fred, Pascal, and Scotty Barnes, I think that lineup is going to be devastating once it gets some actual run together and not just one game stop and start. You know, Okay, that was nice, but we can't really get any more sort of sample on it. That I'm really excited for. So yeah, the fit between Scotty and Pascal long term, I'm very bullish on. And you know, we'll see just how long it takes Scotty to reach that final form because that will be the, term, the the determining factor here. If it takes until Pascal Siakam is 32 for Scotty Barnes to reach that form, then yeah, you're probably looking at a different sort of team construction around Barnes that probably doesn't involve Siakam. But if he's on that sort of fast track to being really, really awesome, which it seems like he might be, then things become very interesting in the next couple seasons here. The Raptors window kind of gets accelerated, which is kind of nice. Uh, we got a couple more questions to get to on the other side. We're going to talk about Gary Trent Jr. We're going to talk about Malachi Flynn as well and potential pick and roll partners for him. I was pretty critical of Malachi Flynn on yesterday's podcast. Still a little bit uh, sort of caught up in those feelings because... I'm concerned. I'm concerned. I'm not going to lie. Maybe a pick and roll partner for Malachi Flynn can help. We'll talk about that in just a sec. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at betonline.ag. They have you covered all season long with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues to march to the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile desk, mobile website and sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit just by using the promo code LOCKEDON, all one word. You get that bonus. You put in 100 bucks to your account, you get an extra 50% added in for free. That's 50 bucks. That's amazing. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online is where the game starts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's continue on, shall we, and round out the show with the conclusion of our little impromptu mailbag here. This one here comes from at Balch, who, uh, sorry if I'm pronouncing the Twitter handle incorrectly, but a lovely interaction on Twitter every day. Very pleasant interaction, I believe, from Newfoundland is Balch. So thank you for the question. The question is, I'm blown away with Gary Trent Jr. His age and growth indicates to me that he could put up perennial all-star stats. Is that being hyperbolic? I think maybe a little bit. Just because, you know, as great as Gary Trent Jr. has been so far, I am a little bit concerned about sort of the innate stuff that tends to make stars and whether he has it, right? Like, there's the vision, the sort of playmaking acumen. That stuff is star stuff. You don't become a star without being able to parlay your own offensive threat into offensive opportunities for others. And I'm still a little concerned about Gary Trent Jr.'s ability to do that. Do I think he can be like a two or three assist a game guy? Yeah, he, I mean, he's already a two assist a game guy right now. Do I think he can upscale that a little bit? Sure, but I don't think he's ever shown off like a really sort of deep bag and array of passing chops. Like he's got those sort of basic pick and roll passes down. He's working on that sort of pocket pass when he's got a guy on his hip looking at his mid-range shot as a threat. He'll, you know, flip it to Ken Birch or whoever is kind of waiting there in the lane. And I think that's a nice thing to have, but 
he hasn't shown me like a really expanded passing repertoire. He's not throwing crazy skip passes when a double team comes his way. He's not, you know, doing like beautiful drive and kick like he is, um, you know, Fred Van Vliet, for example. Like, I, I think the vision is just not quite there. And that's okay. Like, I, I don't think that's a problem or anything like that. There are plenty of guys who have long, wonderful careers of being highly entertaining players who aren't incredible passers. I just think that might be what Gary Trent Jr.'s sort of lot is, is he's a guy who's going to score you a ton of points, be the sort of end of plays as opposed to being the initiator of plays. I also think, you know, he's going to be limited by the fact that he's not terribly explosive, right? Like he doesn't get to the basket in the same way. He's not that three-level type scorer that every superstar that you know is, unless you're Giannis and you don't need to be a three-level scorer. You just are Giannis and score from anywhere you want. Um, But like with Trent... It's going to take that extra burst of getting to the basket consistently, picking up free throws, which he does not do right now at all. That, I think, is going to be the sort of limiting factor on his star upside. Do I think he could sort of flirt and be like a fringe all-star type, like one of those, oh, maybe he's an injury replacement type guys down the line? Possibly. He's still very young. He's one of the youngest players on the team. It still is worth repeating that whenever we talk about Gary Trent Jr., but I do think... There is like some stuff just in terms of his physical profile and his sort of basketball sense that I don't know if you can teach that stuff. I don't know if you can teach a guy to have a better first step. You know, you look at Norm Powell, for example, that guy always just had a great first step and you were able to teach him how to shoot and that kind of thing. But you can never really teach Norm Powell to pass. That was never a thing he did. And the the first step was just like an athleticism thing that he had innately in him to start his career. So that is where my sort of concern is with Gary Trent Jr. But again, it's not really a huge concern because I don't think you're paying him to be a a perennial all-star type player or anything like that. And if he becomes that, amazing. I'll gladly be wrong. But I, I just think some of the things about his profile are not terribly coachable. I don't think you can teach a guy to be faster and get to the bucket more easily. I don't think you can teach a guy to be a great playmaker which is a bummer because, and maybe I'm wrong. Look, I'm not a player development guru. I could be totally wrong. But, you know, the way that he has the shot making down really gives you a lot of hope. And if there is a reason to think, okay, this guy can become like a legit star in the NBA, it is that tough shot making where he's shooting 9% better on contested threes than he is on wide open threes, where he's pulling up from mid-range. He's got that pull-up game where he is creating his own shot. That is the stuff that gets you pretty excited about what he could be down the line. And, you know, if that stuff's good enough to carry him to stardom, then by all means, man, good for you, Gary Trent Jr. It'll be an interesting path, a sort of unique path to stardom, not having that sort of across-the-board impact, but maybe he's able to do it. Do I think he's going to average 20 a game at some point in his career? Absolutely. Like, I think that's going to be there. Do I think he could win, like, a six-man-of-the-year award? 100% I do, and I'm curious to see how the Raptors deploy him once they're at full health. Do they move him to the bench a little bit? Do they, you know, go with that super big starting five with no shooting whatsoever? That could be interesting. Um, you know, th- there's lots of different ways to use Gary Trent's skill set, and I hope he's back tonight against the Bucks because, boy, they're going to need his scoring against that Bucks half-court defense, which has not been amazing so far this year, but it's still the Bucks and has been on the upward trajectory here since they got healthy. Um, you know, he's a big, important player for this team, and I-, I think, you know, be as bullish as you want on Gary Trent Jr. I am very firmly in the Gary Trent Jr. fan club, absolute treat to watch, very fun player, but I I think you have to be a little bit sort of cautious in projecting too much for him because he just doesn't have some of those things that you would expect a typical star to have. Let's round out the the question list here with uh, Rob Sent, a friend of the show, sends in a question. Is there a big or even another player who could be a reliable pick and roll partner for Malachi Flynn with more reps? 
this is tricky because it's kind of a two-way street, right? It's a matter of having a guy who can screen for him and finish around the basket, you know, pass, you know, collect those passes and finish in, in comfortable sort of scenarios. There's also the fact that Malachi Flynn has to hold up his end of the pick and roll. If teams are not worried in any way about his ability to make shots coming around screens or whatever, like they're just going to go under on him. They're going to make it difficult on the guy. They're going to, you know, they're going to give extra attention to the roller and dare Malachi Flynn to beat them. And so far, he has not been able to beat defenses when he has been dared to. He just does not have that shot making in his bag right now maybe it's just a matter of playing more regularly and getting that sort of rhythm back we'll see he had it and flourished his last year in admittedly the garbage time portion of the set of the of the schedule during the tampa season but you know that i think is the difficult thing is yeah sure you might be able to pair a great pick and roll big with him but does he have the chops to make that a good symbiotic relationship or is it kind of the inverse of like the Kyle Lowry, Aaron Baines pick and roll where Kyle Lowry's doing everything he can. He was really trying, but Aaron Baines just is not connecting on his end and it kind of, you know, chops off the effectiveness of the entire thing at the head. So that is my concern with Flynn is, is the shot making going to be there to actually have a viable pick and roll game with anybody in terms of guys on the team. Pascal Siakam, man, I'm fully on board with more Pascal screening, more Pascal rolling. I love Pascal Siakam as a screen man and, you know, the short roll and all that stuff. He finishes around the basket quite well. He's got the array of moves. Of course, he can make those extra reads if he has to. I think that is probably the pathway here. If there is going to be a way, maybe there's like a second unit mismatch lineup where Siakam is out there with the reserves and you can kind of run pick and roll with him. It gets difficult because Precious Achua is usually on the floor and he's kind of taking up space and not really offering a whole lot in terms of spacing when he's standing out in the corners, not offering no spacing, that is. Just the defense does not care, excuse me, about Precious Achua right now. So that is tricky. But yeah, I I do think it is very much a two-way street. And if Malachi Flynn's shot making doesn't come along here at some point soon, that is going to be a serious problem and really is going to limit his effectiveness overall. Because that is, again, the thing he was good at coming out of college is running pick and roll. He hasn't shown that so far. The Raptors don't run a ton of pick and roll in fairness, but they run enough and they just have not really gotten anything out of Flynn in that department so far. We shall see what happens going forward. That is going to do it for today's episode. Thank you to our wonderful question askers and uh, all the listeners for tuning into the show. As always, really appreciate it. I'll be back again tomorrow to break down the game against the Milwaukee Bucks. That should be at least a fun one to watch Giannis back in town. It's always fun to see the Bucks in town, even if maybe the matchup does not quite have the same vigor that it did the last time the Bucks came to Toronto, which I believe was the game where Kyle Lowry tried to dribble through George Hill's legs. Uh, What a classic. Uh, I don't even care if they lost that game. He tried to dribble through a guy's legs. That's the coolest thing that took place in that game. The Raptors win, actually. Uh, Anyway, uh, you are the best for making us your first listen every day. Thank you so much. Make your second listen, Locked on Fantasy Basketball, as Josh Lloyd is doing a great job covering the world of fantasy hoops over there, helping you win your leagues. He's just the best in the business when it comes to fantasy basketball. So go listen to that show. We'll be back again tomorrow to talk about Raptors Bucks. Until then, have a good one, everybody. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 